This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of creator success at Workweek. Let's go. But I think another thing that has really helped our team in staying accountable is just our mutual commitment to radical ownership. So we definitely create an environment where we encourage people to think outside the box, encourage them to try things that haven't been done before. And it's okay if it doesn't work out the way we think it's supposed to. I always try to instill in my team, you know, every opportunity, every scenario, even if the outcome isn't what we hoped for, the data that we gather from that is so valuable and it will allow us to make smarter decisions next time. And so creating that safe environment for people to fail and to fail fast, I think has also been really helpful as long as people take ownership of the mistakes that are made along the way and understanding that it's not about trying to be perfect and it's not about you know pushing off accountability to someone else. And we are live, the Leaders Lens podcast. I'm excited for this episode. Ellen Yin, who I've become good friends with over the last year, lives in the same city as I do, Salem, Oregon. I hope that you're okay with me announcing that. <laughs> yeah, publicly in my public profile, so we're good. <laughs> people know this about you already, but not only is she my friend, but she also is the founder and host of Cubicle the CEO, a top 100 entrepreneurship podcast and free weekly newsletter sharing financial transparent insights from a lot of incredible businesses. I mean, you have just some remarkable guests on your show, but you started as an entrepreneur leaving the workforce, starting your own agency, and now you're in a place where you've developed this community where you're inspiring people to take action, to really own their careers and step up and become CEOs and take charge of their lives. And that's a big deal, Ellen, when you can be in a place where you're inspiring others to be the best versions of themselves. I really think like that's just an incredible definition of leadership. So I'm excited to learn more about your leader's lens here on the podcast today. So thanks so much for being here. Ah, oh, thank you, Jacob. I'm so excited to be here. Your friendship has been incredible. Just one of the most supportive people I know. So I am so happy you're finally doing your own podcast. I know I've been bugging you about that for a while. So congrats. And I'm honored to be here. It's so much fun. It really is. And I want to start off just talking about trust. Because if I feel like you think of developing teams or developing community, nothing can happen without trust. So in your experience, what are the, the key elements to developing trust within a community or a team? I think trust, you know, it really comes down to consistency in your actions, right? Your actions matching your words. And then also, I think the vulnerability aspect is huge, too. When you let your guard down, I think it allows other people to feel more open and comfortable uh, around letting their guard down around you. And so that has been, I think, those two things have been the consistent thread in building trust uh, within our community. Beautiful, beautiful. And something that I talk about a lot is doing what you say you will do. 100%. And I think as a team, when you're a leader, there is kind of, you know, I tell this person that's reporting to me or my teammate, hey, I'm going to get this thing done. And then I follow through on it. In your role, where it's more community leadership and helping people be better through your cohorts, through one-on-one sessions, how does that translate? 
Well, I think a lot of people are encouraged when you model the behaviors or the asks that you're making of your community, right? I think it's hard when, you know, there's a lot of leaders that are like, do as I say, not as I do, which I think in certain contexts does make sense because, you know, you could, for example, be an educator teaching someone about a specific process that you yourself may not be currently going through. So therefore, would it make sense for you to do exactly the same things as that person? However, I do think there is something to be said about going first, right? Leading the way. And it's hard for people to be the first to take any sort of action. So I think when you can take one for the team, really, and step into that role, it really does develop that trust. And that's something that, for example, speaking of trust, one of the things that has really built that lasting trust, I think, within our community over the years is I am very much a founder that builds in public. So I have brought people along with me on the journey from my early days as a freelance social media manager through building an agency, through transitioning into education, and then most recently transitioning and evolving our company into a media platform. And through all of that, I have been very transparent about not only the lessons that I'm learning along the way, but also our business finances. So a lot of people are always shocked to hear, you know, obviously we're a private company, so this is not a requirement, but we share exactly what our business spends, makes, and profits every 90 days. So every quarter I'm coming on the podcast and sharing exactly what happened in our business in the last 90 days. And I think when you fully open your books in such a vulnerable way, and there's really no hiding behind, you know, a narrative that you create for yourself at that point, because the data doesn't lie, people just tend to feel that there really is that that sense of connection and mutual trust there. And I, I've really seen that piece, like modeling what it actually looks like to be financially transparent and not just asking that of our guests that come on our show or on our platform has really made a huge difference. I love that. And I will just say that if you're tuned into the LinkedIn Live and you have questions, put them in the chat. We want to make sure this is an incredible return on investment for everybody tuning in. And something that I think is incredible about how you lead is you really are inspiring action. I feel like when you're in a corporate structure and you're managing a team, a lot of times you lead through compliance where it's you need to do this or there's this consequence. Okay. But for you, like you've taken a you take a much different approach. And when you're leading a community, this is true for you. But you're inspiring action. You're helping people make decisions to better their lives because they want to, right? There's no consequence for them. You're not holding people accountable necessarily if they're part of your community. But what have you learned to do in order to inspire action in the people in your communities and really help make it an easy process for them to take steps forward? I know this is one of those sayings that probably is overused, but I do really think there's a lot of truth to it. When people pay, they pay attention. And as someone who's worked in educating and mentoring other business owners for years, I've really seen that to prove itself time and time again. When people, when you ask for some skin in the game, some sort of commitment with their resources up front, people are much more likely to follow through on their actions. I also find that creating time-sensitive containers in a way kind of force people to show up for something that they otherwise would find a million reasons to delay. And so I think both of those things we have used as tools to help people stay accountable to their goals. But ultimately, you cannot want something for someone that they don't want themselves, right? So I think really helping to uncover someone's deeper rooted why and really fostering that and making sure that the solutions you're offering are a match for what they actually desire. And it's not just a surface level, you know, band-aid 
solution, that really also goes a long way in helping someone stay accountable to their goals. Beautiful. And I think that even if you're not leading a community and you're leading a team, you can learn important lessons from that, giving people time structures, like thinking of smart goals, right? Like this needs to be done in this amount of time or it's going to be too late. That's how you kind of position it, right? With some of your promotions and, but then also just simplifying the process of like, Mm -hmm. it's very clear, here's a step for you to take. And I think sometimes as leaders, if we're in organizations, we can miss that step and things are kind of confusing. And if people have to think through and there's a lack of clarity, that can lead to a lack of execution in a lot of different cases. That's so true. You bring up a great point, Jacob, because, you know, sometimes it can be so easy when you are an expert in a field to have the 10,000 foot view and say, okay, ultimately, this is your goal. So these are all the things you need to accomplish to get there. But you have to remember that your role oftentimes is just to guide someone to the very next step, whatever that looks like. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you need to find a way to do it that's so clear and so simple that it allows someone to understand how to take action without burning a lot of brain calories. Because the more someone has to really think about something, the more you know reasons they can really stockpile on why now is not the right time or they're not qualified or they don't understand or whatever it may be. So I think that's so true. And I know we've been, you know, talking about trust and accountability within a community, but I do also have a small team that I lead internally in my company, right? We have two employees and then I have a few contractors that I work with. And I think accountability, you know, the time sensitivity does absolutely help. But I think another thing that has really helped our team in staying accountable is just our mutual commitment to radical ownership. So we definitely create an environment where we encourage people to think outside the box, encourage them to try things that haven't been done before. And it's okay if it doesn't work out the way we think it's supposed to. I always try to instill in my team, you know, every opportunity, every scenario, even if the outcome isn't what we hoped for, the data that we gather from that is so valuable and it will allow us to make smarter decisions next time. And so creating that safe environment for people to fail and to fail fast, I think has also been really helpful as long as people take ownership of the mistakes that are made along the way and understanding that it's not about trying to be perfect and it's not about you know pushing off accountability to someone else. Absolutely. It's okay to make mistakes as long as we're learning from them yeah. and we're growing from them. And you called it out earlier, but helping people get to that next step. And a lot of times those mistakes are going to allow people to get to that next step. We might want somebody to be perfect. We might feel like we're paying them a certain amount or they have a certain title that would require them to not make these mistakes or to be at a certain point of their career. But the reality is that giving somebody a title or a pay raise, it doesn't give them new skills or ability. We have to be there to support and invest in them. And a great way to do that is how we handle mistakes and using them as teaching lessons. And the reality is like the investment's already been made. Whatever cost is associated with that mistake, like that's already happened. It's too late to correct that. But now we have a chance to use that as a tool for progress. So that's a great, great connection there as well. 100%. And I think it's also true that a lot of leaders think they're delegating. And I'm just as guilty of this. You know, we think we're delegating because we assigned responsibility to someone but we don't assign authority. And there's a difference between that. And I think that you have to be willing and able to make sure that your team members have confidence that they actually have the authority to make the call, to make the decision, and that they are you know, being held accountable to the results of their decision, but that it's not a, oh, you have to get it perfect from the get-go, otherwise your authority is revoked or my trust in you is revoked. And so that's something I had to really understand the distinction between just delegating a task versus delegating 
actual decision making. And I think it's one of the hardest things that we have to work through as leaders. Do you remember how you learned that lesson? Like what required, because you probably heard it a hundred times, but then finally like something happened where it clicked and you're like, okay, I get it now. I'm curious to like what that moment was and then how it's impacted your business since you've, you made that transition. Yeah, I think it wasn't one singular moment, but it was many, many occurrences of, you know, thinking I had given someone a role or some form of ownership over an area or a process or a project or whatever it may be, but realizing that I was still constantly being pulled in all these directions to make the final decision and in realizing how much of a bottleneck I was in my own business and really trying to get to the root of why is this person always coming back to me? And I'm not talking about any one specific individual, but just like in general, why is anyone coming to me on something that technically has been assigned to them? And you kind of have to dig and get to the root of, is it because they lack confidence in themselves? Is it because they think that you have not communicated that trust and confidence in them? Is it because they just actually don't have enough information and maybe haven't found the right questions to ask and you kind of have to you know, be aware of that and fill in some of those gaps for them? I think it's an ongoing process, but really it's when you are constantly finding yourself being asked certain questions. And honestly, I just started turning it back around to them. Like, Sometimes now when I get questions from people being like, should I do this or that? Or, hey, this situation came up. I will ask them, what do you think? Like, which option would you choose? What would you advocate for? And it's really interesting when you turn that question back around to see that 99% of the time they already have a pretty clear idea of what should be done. They just have this, almost this crutch because it's a habit of leaning back on letting you have the final say. Awesome. How is that a shift in approach? How has it changed how they work? I think it's given them much more confidence to just make the call. It's kind of adopting that like ask for forgiveness, not for permission. Now, granted, that mindset doesn't always work in every situation, but ultimately you have to trust that the people you hired are good people who want the best for themselves, for their team, for you, for the company. And if you have instilled your values in these people, they should be able to make decisions that align with your values ultimately. And we haven't had any major issues occur from someone, you know, deciding to just go with their instinct on on a situation. Absolutely. Yeah. People generally like when we assume the best intentions in others, we generally get a lot better quality of work from them. And people are just less defensive, right? They don't feel as guarded when we can just trust like, hey, you're gonna make decisions, you're gonna make mistakes. People are generally not malicious. And if we have that kind of thing in our company of other things we need to worry about. But um, you brought up confidence and transparency in a couple of different points. And I, I don't, I'm trying to remember the exact quote, but Brene Brown has a quote where she says essentially that when we're guarded, we feel strong, but we look weak. When we're vulnerable, we feel weak, but we look, we appear strong to others. And you kind of talked about that earlier in just learning to open up and sharing and be transparent with your community, even to the point that you're showing your pocketbook, which is for most people, like that's what they want to, <laughs> that's the last thing that they'll show somebody, right? Like right. people have been like married and probably have like bank accounts hidden somewhere, but you're just like, <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> you're just showing it all to your community, which is just incredible. Okay. What's been the impact for you personally, but then also for your community as you've opened up to that level? Oh my gosh, it's huge. I mean, I started doing this practice as a way to give back. Um, well, it was, okay, it was two things, I think. When I was early in my freelancing career, as with anyone new in any field, you don't know what you don't know, right? And there's only an extent to which you can ask questions because if you don't even have an awareness of what type of questions to ask, your ability to learn is pretty limited. And so 
For me, when I first discovered two other service providers that were providing income reports and sharing what they were charging for different client projects and retainer rates and how they were spending the money they were earning in the business, what they were setting aside for taxes and how much profit they were aiming for. All of these concepts were new to me and it was so beneficial to me as someone who just didn't have the awareness around these topics. And so when I started making consistent income in my business, I knew I wanted to pay it forward in some way because I knew there was probably someone else out there in a very similar boat to me looking for this information, but knowing it's not readily available, especially among women, which is the primary community that we serve. You know, money is often a taboo topic for all people, but especially among women, it can be a topic that's tied to a lot of shame. And so I wanted to create and normalize a safe space for conversations around money. So that's why I started way back in 2019. And then over the years, you know, I just kept going because I in some ways, I'm selfishly documenting for my own memories, my own learning. It's really helpful to have a way to reflect on what's actually going on in your business in real time, but also have the luxury of listening back to, let's say, an income report from years ago and realizing that you've actually had so much growth that I don't think I would have been aware of had I not documented you know, the things that I did in when it was actually happening. And so by doing these income reports, I've gotten so many messages from women all over the world sharing how it's impacted them, how it's given them confidence, maybe to charge different rates, how it's given them confidence to have a conversation with their best friend or their business partner or their spouse, which is huge. And one woman even said, you know, for over a decade, I've had a successful business and I've never once had any sort of conversation about money with my family. And because of your income reports for the first time, I felt comfortable talking to my parents about money. And it's a topic that we've never broached in you know, all the decades that she's been alive, which is just mind-blowing to me how it's like changing generational traumas around money and these deeply rooted stories. Incredible. And I think the most encouraging part for me has been seeing other women step up to the plate, like my friend Elise and start sharing their own income reports to their unique industries. And that, again, just opens the door wide open for their influence to impact the people who, again, just don't have access, don't have equitable access to this information because it's been so guarded. So our whole goal is to just make, you know, financial information more accessible. That's beautiful. Like there's so many just toxic areas of the internet, but you start thinking about like the access that's available to a lot of people and people to just really learn life skills, learn financial skills and relationship skills. Like it's all out there and access is available for people, which is just one of the, one of the beautiful things about the internet. And it allows people to step up and play roles that maybe they would not have been able to otherwise and find inspiration in people that are like them mm-hmm. that maybe they wouldn't have been able to otherwise because we had this corporate structure that was kind of led by a certain group and now we're getting away from that. People have a voice and are using their voice, which has been powerful. And we're just seeing leadership come from all different areas and, and capacity. So it's it's a beautiful moment. 100%. Yeah. No, I love seeing that change. And we just live in such a special time. I think, I mean, you probably feel the same. I feel so lucky to live in the age that we do. We've just never had so much opportunity and so much connection. And it's really making things possible for people who traditionally or historically have not had the opportunity to pursue certain things because, you know, pre-internet, a lot of what 
you are exposed to in life is very much defined by where you live, your socioeconomic status, you know, whatever life handed you. Whereas now, even if you, you know, maybe didn't get uh, placed in the best of circumstances, you have exposure to all the other potential available to you in the world. And it's so inspiring. So speaking of social media, when you think about how you use your social media to inspire trust or to instill trust and inspire action, uh-huh. like what are the things you think about when you're putting your content together? And how do you decide if something's successful or not? I think bringing people into the conversation is really key. Um, sometimes we can think of social media as kind of a one-sided, like, this is my publishing platform. And I, you know, I exist to create content that I want. And then you kind of just share it. And when you really switch your perspective to thinking, like, how can I engage people in conversation, have a discussion? It really, I think, just it informs every part of the content that you create. And so I have always been kind of a little bit of a rebel in in social media in the sense that I've never been that person that's like, oh, you have to stick to this posting schedule and follow these trends and try to really play to the algorithm. I've been that person who, even though I started out working in social media marketing, I've always been that person that's believed don't show up if it doesn't feel authentic to you. You know, show up when you actually have something important to say. Don't just post for the sake of posting. And so it's worked out really well for me over the last five years. You know, there are times where I'm posting every single day because I have a whole lot to say. And there's also been months where I've literally not posted anything at all. But I think when you understand the whole ecosystem around how your marketing strategy feeds your business, you don't rely so much on social media to drive drive sales to your business. And so I've been lucky in that regard that, you know, my income is not drastically impacted by how much I post or don't post on social. I love it. I think the best advice I can remember receiving on social was just make friends. Like just get out there and make friends with people. Like send comments that are thoughtful, send DMs to people, just letting them know you appreciate what they're doing. And like when I took that advice, it just kind of shifted how I approached it. And like my vanity metrics went up because of it. Like I was getting, <laughs> I got more likes and follows because of it, even though that wasn't necessarily the goal. Like my goal at that point was like, let me just make some meaningful interactions. I think that's pretty aligned with, with what you're saying as well, just finding new ways to look at social media. Well, gratitude is so underrated. Exactly what you said. Like so few people take the time to, I mean, we all have our favorite, I'm sure creators or content that we are silent lurkers, right? Where we like consume the content, but we don't really say much you taking a second to actually send someone a DM and say, hey, I really appreciate the content you've created. And this is how it's directly impacted my life or my business. We often don't really realize the gravity of how that really impacts the person on the other end. And it's such an underrated tool for connection and relationship building. So I love that you brought that up. Absolutely. And I think the long-term gains, even from like a selfish perspective, like you probably get more out of it taking that approach as opposed to sending a thousand, like, hey, check out my new product I'm building DMs. Because nobody's opening those. Nobody's clicking on them. You're getting blocked. You're just getting deleted. You're getting sent to the spam folder. But when somebody just sends a, hey, like, I saw you did this. This is great. Like, you want to kind of, like, know more about that person because they've taken a different approach. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that becomes more of a, a way people just do business. Like, just taking that approach and not trying to close a sale on the first interaction because it's... And sometimes you don't know, like, somebody just needs to hear that that day. Like, you don't know, like, what that's going to mean, just taking the time to send a message, whether it's a DM or a text message, but just reminding somebody how much you appreciate them, yeah. reminding them of, like, a, a story or a memory when they were there to help you out. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are like, life is a roller coaster. So like, you just don't know how impactful that's going to be. And I think social media just can be a powerful platform of gratitude when we allow it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, I think a lot of people assume the more successful you are visibly on online or on social media, the more inundated you must already be with gratitude. So you're like, oh, I don't need to add to that. But the opposite is actually often true. You know, sometimes the bigger a personality or a creator becomes, the more their audience kind of almost feels removed from them in a way. And they put these people on pedestals and just there's lacking that level of deep connection. So when you actually do take the time to share specific gratitude, it really does come across in such a different way. And I think another under leveraged utilization of social media for building community and being a leader is actually using it as a tool for connecting others within your community to each other. I know you're really great at this, Jacob, but I think, you know, don't underestimate the power of actually sending a DM to two people who you know, but who don't know each other and saying, hey, I thought of you two. I think you two should connect because of X, Y, Z. Give them a specific reason, a springboard that they can maybe have a collaboration or initial chat over. And that has so much value and not enough people are using social media to do that. Beautiful. I love it. And so one last question. Ellen, I appreciate you so much for making time for the Leaders Lens podcast here. Of course. But are there any specific books, resources, or thought leaders you recommend people follow as they look to understand how to build community? Oh my goodness, so many. <laughs> I, I feel like I sometimes have a little bit of book amnesia where I read a lot and then, you know, it really impacts me in the moment. And then when I'm asked to, you know, conjure up the titles, I blank. Yeah. But, like I can remember what the cover looks like, but I can't right? remember the author's <laughs> but, name right now. Yeah, for exactly. sure. Exactly. Actually, there was a there was a book that we had in common that we were reading recently, Joy Inc. I can't remember who the author is, but I really loved that book in terms of building team culture. Do you have it on your desk? There you go. Richard yeah, Sheridan, okay. yes. Yes. Such a great book. A book I really enjoyed too was Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. It's not as well known, I think, but it's a really interesting book that I had a great impact on me. It's all about understanding the significance of what you do in business, not just like what's important or what's urgent. Awesome. I also love anything that Alex Lieberman creates. So like the crazy ones, the Morning Brew podcast, I have really enjoyed, especially his solo journal episodes. And I don't know. There's so many great ones out there. It's just, it's hard to think of them all. <laughs> no, it's awesome. That's a great list to run down. And yeah, I was fortunate to see Richard Sheridan speak at the event last year. So oh, really? uh, the book Joy Inc. stuck with me. I, and I wasn't familiar with it until that point. So it's been definitely what I've been recommending to friends and... Yeah, yeah, I love a lot of the message in there. So I would highly recommend that one to anybody listening to this podcast. But yeah, Ellen, anything else you want to add? This has been a really fun conversation. I always enjoy connecting with you and I'm glad we can make it happen on a podcast as well. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time as well and for sharing your platform. I do want to plug your survey too. You did the coolest CEO survey. Oh. Tell, us, tell us about it. I'm going to pull up my results here really quick so I can remember. But can you kind of give us a little bit of a rundown of some of the thought behind it and what people who participate can expect? Yeah. So I am like a personality test nerd. I love, you know, the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, human design, all the things. But there's very few assessments out there that are more designed to understanding your unique advantages and potential obstacles as a CEO or as a leader, not just who you are as a human being. And so we created this really fun, what's your CEO style quiz. It's 10 multiple choice questions. It shouldn't take you any longer than two minutes to breeze through the quiz. And it will tell you what your unique genius is as a CEO or as a leader. 
And really, we've divided the signature CEO styles into four distinct types. So there is the change maker, which is the one I am. There's the magnetic connector, which That's is what mine, Jacob yep. Yes. <laughs> then, then we have the peacekeeper and the whip smart achiever. So if you take a moment to go to ellenyin.com, that's E-L-L-E-N-Y-I-N.com slash quiz, you can, again, take the quiz, 10 questions, and then you'll discover what your CEO style is. And I'm really curious how many of you are the same as Jacob or as me or maybe one of the two other types. And we'll make sure the ellenyin.com forward slash quiz is in the show notes. So you can check it out. And if you're watching on LinkedIn, we'll leave it in the comments for you as well here because... I would love to see the results there. Uh, it really is an empowering thing. I love that it focuses on the strengths. It doesn't focus on what you're not. It focuses on what you are and mm-hmm. how you're going to be successful. I'm a big strength finder guy, and I feel like it's pretty aligned with the message that we get there. So awesome work with the quiz. It was a ton of fun. Thank you. Well, thank you for taking it. And again, thanks for this conversation. It's been so fun. If you guys want to keep connecting, I'd love for you to shoot me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Miss Ellen Yin. Or come hang out with us on our podcast, Cubicle to CEO. We release episodes every Monday and Wednesday. And she does an incredible job. There's a reason that it's so successful. So Ellen, enjoy the rest of your day. I appreciate you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.